does work make you feel good? Seriously. You come home at the end of the day feeling better than you did at the beginning. I'm guessing more often than not, that's not the case. You know, why can't work be the place that makes us feel good? Be the thing that where gives us our best ideas, makes us feel fulfilled, connected to our colleagues and our customers, helps us become our best self, inspires us, motivates us in some positive way, lights us up even. I wish for work to be like that. But I think it's an important thing that right now in society, with all the changes that we're going through, is something that we should explore and think about more. You know, why can't it enhance our life instead of depleting us? And even the word work has a negative connotation. You know, seems to make out that it's something that is difficult and not necessarily going to be a pleasant experience. And, you know, it shouldn't have to be that way. And we know that, you know, there's real issues around the world of work because there's so many kind of reports and studies that come out. Um, and a recent one from Deloitte, I think it was in association with the mental health charity Mind. Um, and they've determined that, you know, in 2018, stress, anxiety and depression was responsible for half of all the workdays lost in Britain. The burnout and mental health issues are costing UK companies around 43 billion a year. And that's 16% up on two years previous. And that's quite astounding, really. I know we're all trying to address the mental health issues and companies are trying to work out the best way of doing that. But it's within the context of a society that is moving through an extreme period of change. I think it's unprecedented really the pace of change that we're going through as human beings and it's the pace the speed the acceleration of that change which is key to the cause of it all we're so connected with technology and things are moving faster and faster and faster with technology making it easier and often sadly in in a lot of cases meaning that we're expected to work out of designated hours as well so kind of all these factors are adding to this uh, potential epidemic crisis we might be facing. Um, added to that, you know, the aging population and you've got much broader generations in the workplace as well. Um, not everybody wants the same things in the same way. So you can't run companies exactly the same as we've done previously. The younger generation specifically that are going to be the leaders and the managers of the future. They really want meaning out of their jobs. Gallup did some other research recently. You know, they want to understand the values and the purpose of an organization. And they want their employers to facilitate their personal growth and development. And in fact, there was a, another piece of research that said over 80% of workers don't think they can be their best self at work. So there's a kind of a mixture of themes and topics here in terms of us struggling with the way things are changing, the pace of change accelerating, uh, people not being as engaged at work as they used to be. But it isn't just detrimental to those individuals and those people. It, it's actually not good for the businesses either, clearly so through the Deloitte research. 
And I hear stories all the time about what certain employers are doing to people, maybe not even consciously. You know, I had a friend the other day tell me that she was so negative about going into work that she threw up in the shower as she was getting ready. And my background in the creative industries and advertising and marketing industries, the agency sector, I've seen it many times because in that sector, you need to come up with new ideas and new thinking and solving problems all the time, every day. That's what's expected of you. That's what clients pay for. And I've seen the damage that that can do on people's mental health um, in these organizations. And there was a particular example where we were working on a pitch and it, it, it was a big deal. You know, a hell of a lot of money had been spent on its development. And it was, I think, it was only two or three days before the actual pitch event. And the poor creative director had just worked two weeks solid without a break and was still struggling to get things right. And he pretty much had a breakdown on me in the car park outside the office. And at that moment, I was in despair, really, that what are we doing to people? I don't want to do this to people. I don't want to put this amount of pressure on somebody, although it is the nature of the work. Um, and then through various things that happened after that, became aware of a term called performance anxiety, which is probably rife in a lot of businesses. You know, we are expected to bring our A game every single day and you just can't. We're not made that way. You know, you can work intensively for a period of time, but you can't do it every single day to the same level. And this is the kind of thing that generates burnout. Um, I once saw a lady uh, called Pippa Granger speak, and I think she's kind of like uh, works for English football as a psychologist or something like that. And when she was speaking, you know, we were talking about the um, how you often get the world of work and the world of sport compared, you know, and you will get sports people talk about performance at business events. That's quite a common thing. But she made a really, really good point. That when you're an athlete or a sports person, yes, you prepare intensely for that match or that tournament or that event. But once it's done, you then recover. But you don't do that in business. It's relentless. That event, that performance, that thing is happening every single day. And that's what leads to burnout when we just can't keep that up. I also read a book called Thrive by Arianna Huffington of the Huffington Post, which I'd highly recommend. Um, and it was on the basis that, you know, she'd had this incident happen where she collapsed in her office because she was working too many hours. I even think at one point she was sleeping in her office. And when she collapsed, she hit her head and caused herself some quite severe damage that really then made her think and reflect on how she was working and the culture of her company. Uh, and then could reflect on the idea that certainly in the corporate world, it's like a badge of honor, how many hours you work, how many outputs you deliver, how, how much you're in touch outside of office hours. And it really shouldn't be that way because in the end, it harms us and it harms the businesses that we work within. And of course, the world of work is really changing. We're coming out of what would be coined the industrial age. 
If you think of it, think of the Henry Ford production line where fear and money are used to motivate people, where human beings are treated like cogs in the machine of production, which they were. Someone at the top, someone senior or a manager would work out what needed to happen in order to deliver something and then break that down into small, narrow tasks or processes. And they were the things that each person had to do. So they were a cog in the machine, as if a human being was part of that machine, where you had to stick to the job exactly and suppress your natural impulses to learn and explore. Because bureaucracy and command and control management practices would ensure that you just did your job and you did it efficiently and productively and you do not veer outside of that. Because at that time, in the industrial era, um, productivity, output, reliability, consistency, predictability ruled the day. And that's what was needed. But this is becoming outmoded and detrimental now. We need to shift our thinking. We've moved into what's deemed the knowledge era. And the pace of change behind this is an important aspect where products and services are as much based on intellect as they are on physical labor. And where imagination is the primary source of value because the pace of change is so quick, we always need to be thinking ahead, coming up with new ideas, solving problems in different ways. But you can't manage this using traditional methods from the industrial age. So it's about creating the right culture, structure, and approach to managing people a little bit differently, or maybe, a, no, not a little bit, a lot differently to how we have before so that we can promote innovation, creative thinking, and continual learning because we need that now to thrive as businesses. We have to be innovative. We have to be more flexible and collaborative. And we need to provide workplace experiences and culture that is more human, that allows people across different generations to tap into real human qualities that are more important than ever like intuition and imagination and will and reasoning and learning and exploring our brain power and our ability to think and innovate is where the real value is now i've read a lot about human potential um all different kinds of authors in in different walks of life and i, I do admit it, i find it fascinating uh and there's there's one author in particular called stephen kotler um, he's a New York Times bestselling author and a researcher, but he has become known as an expert in peak performance. And uh, he wrote a book called The Rise of Superman, which which looked at extreme athletes, athletes that, you know, seem to do things that look impossible. They break through barriers that are fake, you know, the limitations that are not really there. And to understand how they did this, how they performed at that level. And really explored kind of the mindset, their approach, their belief systems. And he wrote a lot of talks about this kind of material. Um, and one aspect of all of this that he found during his research is that these people get themselves into, I suppose you'd call it an altered state of consciousness called a flow state. And in a flow state, you're truly absorbed in the task that you're doing. Time and space seem to disappear. 
ideas flow and you feel amazing in the process. And the reason for that is because it releases a set of neurochemicals that make us feel good. So if we can allow people to perform at their best by enabling them the freedom and the flexibility and the culture to get into flow states, then they're going to benefit from it in terms of their well-being. And the companies are certainly going to benefit from it in terms of moving them forward. He was as bold as to say that the ability to learn faster than your competitors is the only sustainable competitive advantage going forward. So how do we give people that freedom, that flexibility to get into flow, to allow them to experiment, not worry about failing, feel safe in their environment and unleash their full potential? The old practices, hangovers from the industrial age are just not going to cut it. You know, because we have all of this ability that we need within us and we've just lost touch with it and we need to explore it more. And in my industry, in creative businesses, it's absolutely the fuel to business growth. It's not a nice to have. It's not just about making people feel a bit better if they're under the weather in terms of their mental health. How do we enable them to feel joy at work and be their best selves? We actually have a seeking system hardwired within us as human beings. And this was explored in a book by Dan Cable called Alive at Work. If you go back to us being, you know, cavemen, hunter-gatherers, we had to explore and experiment in order to survive. So it is hardwired into us to do that. And from a work perspective, this would be about, you know, being able to express your unique skills as part of a team, being able to explore new things, learn new things, and find a sense of purpose in your work. And he went as far as saying, look, you know, activating the seeking system is actually like putting a plug in a live socket because we already have these amazing faculties. We just don't know how to help people tune into them. And for me, that's really key. If work is going to get better, if we're going to reduce the mental health crisis from work, and if people are just going to lead better lives and make a bigger impact. So if we feel good at work, then we'll do good at work and business will benefit as well. If you look at a scale, ABC, where C is I'm struggling with mental health and B is I'm doing OK, I'm average. Everybody tends to focus on C to B. You know, how do we just make people a little bit better? I'm interested in point A. How do we get people from feeling okay to feeling absolutely amazing? You know, no, that's not necessarily sustainable every day, but more so that than feeling that I can't cope, I'm struggling, I'm burnt out, and I'm certainly not giving my best at work. How can work make us feel more alive and the most creative and productive that we've ever been? For me, that is true well-being at work. <laughs>